Hi there, and welcome to Manningham Christian Centre's Sermon of the Week. I'm so glad you joined us. My name is Matt Wyatt, and I'm the lead pastor here. My prayer for you is that as you listen, you encounter God, and find this message practically helpful. It would mean a lot to us if you were able to rate and subscribe. This not only lets us know how we can serve you better, but also spreads the message to those who need to hear it. Hey, thanks so much again, and I look forward to catching up with you later. Bye. Well, if you can, please be seated. What an amazing time of worship together. How great was that? And what a beautiful aspect of worship. What a beautiful moment in worship right now. And just because the music stops playing or just because of all of that doesn't mean his presence dwindles. <laughs> yeah? All right, fantastic. Well, we're going to change the pace up a little bit. And um, I'm going to be seated just like you are. Is that all right? It's all right. And uh, hopefully uh, my voice... That was uh, God calling. Um, uh, it, uh, that's all right. Pastor Julie will forgive you completely for that. Uh, it's a good reminder to put my own phone on silence right now. Um, and, uh, and I pray that my voice holds out because it's uh, a little bit tired and a little bit weary. But um, we're going to change our pace just a little bit and I'm just... Wanting to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is leading uh, for us this morning, and uh, I believe that He wants to talk us, talk us through, and lead us through a moment of worship. And you might say, "Well, you know, Matt, haven't we had just a moment of worship just then?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have had a great moment of worship. But how many know that worship extends beyond, you know, 25 minutes on a Sunday morning while music's being played?" Yeah. And, um, you know, our lifestyle ought to be a lifestyle of worship, ought to be a lifestyle of, uh, you know, uh, continually singing praises to him. You know, the Bible says uh, that, uh, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. And so whether you're out gardening or whether you're on your, on your way to Bunnings or cooking at a Bunnings barbecue fundraiser for Canet, how good was that? A special thanks to everybody who turned out for that. And how much did we raise? Over a thousand. Over a thousand smackaroonies. So that's fantastic, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, oh, there's about three people think it's good. Yeah, great. It's amazing, isn't it, right? Fantastic. And so, you know, so it's just a, it's, that's a combined effort. That's a, that's a combined effort. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, it was a perfect amount of sausages and, and it was just great right up until the end. And even actually at the end, we got to give away a few as people were racing up them saying, are you still open? And people were uh, not wanting to take any. And so one guy ran out to his car and came back with more money and put it in the till, didn't he? And uh, so that was good. He, he said, how much have you raised today? Well... I said to him, well, with the $1,000 that you're going to give today, we're going to raise over $1,000. That's fantastic. He laughed. <clears throat> Just put in a few coins, so that's good. But um, if today had a title uh, of the message, then um, I would suggest that this title is Spirit and Truth. Can you say that with me? Spirit 
and truth. Now, spirit and truth is a bit of a bit of a weird thing. And uh, how many know that we are spiritual beings? All right, we're created in God's image. We've been on a journey over the last several weeks of um, discovering what that means. Discovering what it means to um, be created in His image as a brand new creation, created in His uh, image, uh, having three parts. So God is three parts in one, so um, Father, Son, and... Fantastic. And you've been listening, gold stars, to each and every single one of you today. And, um, and we are body, soul, and... And we know that our spirit is often made up of you know, our mind, our will, and our emotions. How many times that sometimes we can uh, allow our emotions to get the better of us? Yeah? How many know that we can allow our mind to even get the better of us? Yeah, we can overthink things and think too much. Who's, who's, who's confessions, of, confessions of everybody? Who, who allows their thoughts to race away from them every now and then, right? And then they influence our emotions and then we get upset and then we act out and we do something about it and all sorts of stuff. Well, understand that God has made us an emotional being, right? Um, how many know I, I had a I had a, a I like to debate you know people's view on the word every now and then and and of course I'm always right and uh, and not at all and uh, we 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 had a youth pastor here and this was when I was in youth right so only about six years ago and and when I was in when I was in youth we had a youth pastor and and uh, and, and and he got up and. And he said, you know, you know, uh, you know, if you're if you're angry, then then you're in sin. And I went, oh, well, gosh, you know, that's that's really bad because how many how many times do we get angry from time to time, right? And I and I said, well, that means Jesus sinned. And he said, no, 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 Jesus never sinned. He died as a sinless man and, and uh, fully man yet fully God. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He he didn't sin, and uh, and I, and I said, but but he did he did sin because you know he walked into the temple and saw all the unjust uh, trading going on and and uh, the temple. Um, Tables being sold and and uh, lambs, you know, being sold for exorbitant prices, and the people of God being ripped off, and and all of that. And so God came in, and, and God, so Jesus came in, and he got angry, and he tore up all of the tables, and he said the profound words spoken by the prophet of, of Isaiah, and spoken in Psalms, and he said, "The zeal for the Lord's house." Has consumed me. And so it says very clearly that Jesus got angry. So therefore he sinned. And the youth pastor didn't quite know what to say with that and didn't know how to really respond too much to that. God has made us emotional beings that from time to time it's okay that we're going to get angry. In fact, it's sometimes important that we get something. (laughs) Hello? I mean, come on. <laughs> like, you know, when Peter was in the boat and he saw Jesus walking on water, at least he did something. He got out of the boat, right? He was filled with 
uh, he was filled with, you know, faith, with optimism, was with excitement maybe, a little bit of stupidity. But, he, you know, he got out of the boat. What about when Jesus was getting arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he ripped out his sword and he, he went to cut off the guy's head. But the guy ducked and he got a ear piecing, ear piece. Got a slight ear adjustment, got a little bit of plastic surgery there. No, and Jesus knelt down and said, Peter, don't be, don't be silly. You're going to do something stupid. And, and he, can you, I can just see Jesus bending down in that moment and in all, all humility and just absolute grace and love, both towards Peter and towards the soldier. And he picked up that ear and healed his ear. Maybe you didn't even need to pick up the ear. Maybe you just got a brand new one. There's that shriveled old ear just staying there. We don't know what happened. But at least Peter did something. Sometimes I, sometimes I want to congratulate you for doing something. Be motivated and be moved in something. But you see, the Bible says this, be angry, but don't sin in your anger. Don't lash out in that. You can be upset. He has created us to be emotional beings because sometimes he's emotional. You know, when Jesus' best friend Lazarus died, Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. It just said, Jesus wept. That's profound. He was grieved. He was sad. He was upset. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified, there was such, such stress and such strain upon him that he was sweating drops of blood. He was upset. He was moved. And he prayed those famous words, Father, if there is any other way, not your will, not my will, sorry, but your will be done. That says to me that Jesus was having this battle in his own will and yet he chose. The Bible goes on to say in Hebrews that it wasn't the nails that kept him on the cross. It was the joy set before him that he endured the cross. What's the joy? What's joy? What's joy? It's an emotion, isn't it? Hello? It's a state of being. Joy is this, it's, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. How good is that? It's not just a Christmas time song. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. So today I want to focus on this area of how, to, how do we come to God in worship. We've been on this journey of how do we respond to his presence? How do we appropriately respond to his presence? How do we, um, how do we when we sense his presence, what, what do we do? We know that the Bible says that every knee shall bow before Jesus. And so if Jesus was to turn up in the room uh, in the fullness of his glory, as in the second coming, because Jesus is coming again, 
if he was to appear in the room in the fullness of his glory, in the fullness of his presence and power, we would involuntarily bow before him. Such would be the weight of his presence. Because it says every knee will bow. And if people didn't believe in him before then, they'll be bowing then. Because it states, that clear statement, every knee shall bow. And so we're going to take a little bit of a journey through some scripture. We're going to end up at John chapter 4. John chapter 4, I've referred to several times. And it's the story of the woman from Samaria, the woman at the well. And the story of Jesus encountering her or her encountering Jesus at the well. And really all I'm going to be focusing upon is one particular verse in it. But we're going to lead into that. Can you say these words? Experience is the key. Experience is the key. How many know that somebody with experience is a whole lot better than somebody who can read a book? Reading a book is important, but experience is like, wow, right? And, uh, you know, I was, we were at the air show on, uh, on Friday and it's just something that I absolutely love to, love to go and uh, see and do. And, and uh, you know, you actually get to talk with some of the pilots and, um, you know, I've been inspired. They, they made a statement that within two years, if I, became a, if I joined the Air Force, within two years I could be flying an F-35 Lightning. <laughs> so this is my last... Son- no, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> like, that would be pretty groovy, right? Yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, right. Um, and, so, um, and so, you know, it was really, really cool. And and anyway, I was talking with somebody who, um, you know, lasers is this new thing at the moment. It's like something out of Star Wars. But, but, you know, they can protect airports now from drones or swarm drone attack by sh- shooting a laser at it. Like, isn't that awesome or what? Like fully Star Wars dome stuff, right? And, uh, and actually one of the stories was that uh, some guy tried to, you know, um, fly a drone over Heathrow Airport in England and uh, an Australian-born laser, Aussie, 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 all right, quickly depo- deployed, scanned, identified it, scanned it and zap, zapped it out of the sky and uh, there was no harm done. But how cool is that, right? How amazing are some people. But I was talking with this guy and, 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 uh, and, I, and I said, so, you know, what training in lasers have you, have you got? And he goes, oh, I've got none. What do you mean? He goes, but I have got 23 years in the army. And I thought, wow, so you've got a fair bit of experience. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I know what has to happen in combat. And he said, the difference is we need the tech guys who know stuff and who can walk, work out you know, the technical aspect. But at some point, somebody's got to pull the trigger. At some point, somebody's got to make that human judgment call that something needs to be done at the right time, in the right moment, in the right place. And you see, I think God positions us amongst people who have an amazing ability to think as well as an amazing experience in him. Have you ever thought about getting beside somebody who may have a little bit more grey hair than you and asking them 
What's your experience in God? How faithful has he been to you? Tell me a story or a testimony of his faithfulness to you. You see, this is what I love about the church. The church is this amazing uh, uh, conglomerate of people who probably would never naturally get together. Like outside of God, naturally, if, if I was to whip out the barbecue, the tongs and the sausages right now, and I said, hey, everyone, come and have a barbie, like you would probably prefer to go to a, a, a lifelong friend's house, right? But you see, this is what is amazing about church. The Bible says that we're living stones fitted together in the house of God. Who fits us together? He does. Right? The, the Bible says if the Lord doesn't build a house, those that build it labour in vain. So who's building the house? Right? And so who's fitting you in here? Right? And so here in this space and this time, you know, we've got people who have amazing technical experience, amazing thoughts, as well as just amazing stories and experiences God, uh, in God. You see, this is why experience is key. Knowledge is good. This is why the Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word, but do it. Do it. This is why I love Peter. At least he did something, right? Hey, you know, God's not going to come down on you heavy if you take him at his word and go do it and perhaps you didn't think it worked. In fact, he's going to stand there and applaud you. The Bible says that there's a cloud of many witnesses standing by, watching and cheering us all on. How good is that? And so we have to be doers of the word. And so today is going to be an opportunity of doing. Are you ready? Yes. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to stay sitting down, but we'll see how we go. Open your Bibles to Psalm 22, verse 3. Psalm 22, verse 3. If you haven't got your Bibles here, then it is going to be up on the screen in just a short few moments. But Psalm 22, verse 3 says this. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Let's read that together. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. I like what the old King James says. It says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Have you ever heard that statement that God inhabits the praises of Israel? You may have heard it, that God inhabits the praises of his people. Have you heard that before? You see, when we lift up praises to God, does he just ignore that? When we lift up our praises to him, he comes down... Well, it's not that he comes down because Jesus is alive within us. We're all living stones fitted, in together, fitted together in the house of God and we are temples of the Holy Spirit, correct? 
And so if we are temples of the Holy Spirit, when our lives are lived as worship unto him, then what happens, when, then what happens is that he inhabits the praise of our life. So you can be flipping burgers or you can driving down, be driving down the road or you can be at your, at your office desk, you know, typing away or programming this or you can be in the garden or you could be going for a walk but your life is this ever spring, this ever well of water, of spring, uh, giving up praises to God that he comes and he inhabits. Wow. How good is that? Turn to Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 4 to 6. Peter chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. It says, His coming to him as to a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. How many feel that that's just a word for them today? Have you ever felt rejected? You're not rejected by God. You are not rejected by him in any way, shape or form. But you are chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture... Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. I think we're living in a time where there are many Christians who are being faced with standing up for what what they believe. Certainly in the Western world, and most definitely in many overseas nations and countries. There are Christians everywhere laying down their life. Friends, we are no different. We are called to lay down our life. We are called to lay down our life for that of the kingdom. We are called to lay down every aspect of our life. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 6 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, that's everyone, ladies as well, by the mercies of God. That's a saying, by the mercies of God. How many know that we can come before him because he is merciful? We can come before God because of what he has done. We can't forget that, can we? The Bible says that we are to come boldly into the presence of God, and that is true. But we must always remember that it's by the mercies of God that we get to do this, that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. Let's get that scripture up on.
the screen so that we can look at that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Remember the scripture that I started off by saying. It said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it as unto the Lord. On one hand, there is this element of whatever we're doing, we're doing it as worship to the Lord. On the other hand, there is this element that it is simply our reasonable service to present our what? What does it say? It says our bodies. We are to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, praise God that he didn't make us to be separate from our spirit and separate from our soul, separate from our body. He made us to be whole people. Amen? Hello? Whole people from the point of view that if you've got a headache, so if something's sore in your body, it kind of affects your mood and it kind of affects your spirit, right? If, it's, uh, if, it's, if you stub your toe... You don't do the uh, Pentecostal Holy Spirit dance, do you? Well, you might, out, 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 right? But in this moment, we are affected because we are responding to pain in our body. The same is when if we are responding to pain in areas of our soul. It might be pain associated with a memory. It might be pain associated with something that's happened within our life or it could be something that's presently happening within our life, a difficulty that, that we face. How many know that, you know, I, uh, that if you're experiencing pain in your soul, it causes you to lose your appetite? Or it could cause you to increase your appetite. Chocolate, never tasted so good. That comfort food, right? And how many know that um, if you're prone to uh, uh, using alcohol, then, you know, if you're feeling down or if you're feeling low and then you drink too much, it can affect your will and then what you choose to do out of that state. We are made to be whole. So you can look at this scripture and actually understand that we are to present all of ourselves as a living sacrifice. All of us. And it doesn't even say it's unreasonable. How cheeky is God? Does he want just a little bit? Guess what? He wants all and more. You know why? Because he gave his all. He led by example. It says, which is your reasonable service? Hmm. So what does that do? It actually turns things around and places everybody on a level playing field. Guess what? We all come to this same place. Doesn't matter what we've been through, what we're going through. He offers us completeness and wholeness 
to everybody who presents themselves as a living sacrifice unto God. Let's open to John chapter 4. I'm going to read the New King James Version and then I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation this key part. Everybody say, experience is the key. Let's go from verse 19. So Jesus has gone out of his way uh, and he, the disciples are bewildered. He sent them into Samaria to get some food and stuff and, and they've said, look, you know, we don't want to go into that. You know, we don't want to go in there. And, um, and, uh, and you know, she's, she's rocked up and she's uh, carrying her. This is, this is the closest thing at very short notice that I could... <laughs> that I could depict like a water bottle thing, you know what I mean? And she's carrying it probably on her head. Um, back then, they didn't have electrical cords, so just pretend <laughs> that this is not here, right? And so, and, and so the lady rocks up. She might be carrying it on her shoulder or she might have been carrying it with a, you know, with a yoke or something like that with, you know, eat balancing buckets. Or it might have been even on her head, but she's come to collect water. And she comes and, uh, and the, she finds this guy just on his own by the well. And immediately I can start to think that she's sort of thinking, you know, gosh, what's he doing here? You know, he hasn't got a bucket. He, he, he's just sort of sitting there. And, and uh, you know, uh, and then even more so, the, she has the shock of her life when Jesus actually speaks to her. A Jew. Speaking to a Samaritan woman at the well. You know, I, I, I probably wouldn't open with what Jesus said. Give me a drink. Like, wouldn't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name's Jesus. How are you? Doing well? Having a good day? What's your name? Oh, you're the woman of Samaria. She doesn't even get a mention. She is forever known as the woman of Samaria. Woman at the well. But what you do get to find out later is Samaria went into great revival because of this woman. A woman who has been rejected, a woman who has been despised by her own people. And she goes into town saying, come and see a man who's told me everything about He's the coming Messiah and he's now here. So she rocks up with her, with her, uh, <clears throat> with her um, jug and Jesus comes and says, G'day. And Jesus reads her mail. And from verse 19, she says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then she leads with this statement. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, you know, at least give her a name. Rachel? But no, woman, 
believe me. Powerful words. If Jesus stood in front of you and said these words, woman, believe me. Does it make you sit up in your seat just a little bit more? The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. Man, I, I find that like I'm somebody's treating me like a fool. Hello? You worship what you do not know. See, the great thing about this lamp is one minute it can become a water container and at the very next minute it, be- it can become an idol. That's You worship what you do not know. Can you imagine people worshipping idols? Well, we do it all the time. We set things up, we set family members up as idols, We've, we set cars, objects, things, things that we might hold too close and too tight or pay too much attention to. TVs become idols, TV shows become idols. And so here, there's a whole stack of people in Samaria worshipping what they do not know. And Jesus said, you worship what you do not know. You're idiots. But us Jews are so much better than you because we know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. I think Jesus was testing her heart response. If Jesus said those words to you, would you get offended? Would you get emotional? Would you get upset? Oh, you're just Aussies. Or you're just from Italy. Or, nah, we know, us Jews, we know. Unless you're Jewish here today, we're actually Gentiles. <laughs> but the hour is coming and now is when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Everybody say spirit and truth. All right, I'm going to finish on this. This one word, that's what, there's one word that I want us to focus on here. I'm going to read the same story out of the Passion Translation. And I like the way this says it. Jesus responded, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't Worship the Father on a mountain, nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. Here comes this word, no. Just, just like put a sticky note by that word no, all right? And we're going to come back to it. You ready? Your people don't really know the one they worship. 
We, wor- we Jews worship out of our experience. For it's from the Jews that salvation is available. From here on, worshipping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshippers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. The woman said, this is also confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah, and when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And then Jesus dropped the revelation. You don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. Oh, can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine how that woman's life was changed in that moment? So what word did you put a sticky note by? The word no. It's very interesting that the Passion Translation uses the word experience there. You remember it? Let me just highlight it again. We Jews worship out of our experience. We Jews worship out of our experience. That that word in the original King James Version, the word no, is the word I do. Can you say that? I do. Sounds like you're getting married or something, doesn't it? I do, right? It's actually a verb that was originally used and there's actually five different applications for it. The first application of the word no or I do is to perceive with the eyes. So look around you right now. What do you see? Do you see different people who are sinners? Or do you see saints saved by grace? Right? All who have experienced the power and the life-giving nature of God. Right? To perceive with the eyes. Now, remember what we're talking about. We're talking from the perspective of worship. The second thing is to perceive by any of the senses. Something that the Western church hasn't uh, done well is taught that it is important to perceive and and, um, to uh, experience God even with our five senses. We hear him. Uh, Some people have smelt the Holy Spirit. Some people have seen uh, um, spiritual things take place, right? Out using the five senses, to perceive by any of the senses. The third thing is to notice, discern or discover. This is this word, I do. To notice, discern or discover. The other one is to see. So in other words, it is to read into. And the fifth application is this, to experience. Jesus said these words, we Jews worship from our experience. My challenge to you today, and I want to end on this, is that when we come to worship, 
When we come into the place of lifting our hands on a Sunday morning, when we come into a prayer meeting, when we drive in our car, when we do what we do and we live our life as worship unto the Lord, what my challenge to you is this, is to worship from your experience of His faithfulness. Because it's hard to worship God from your experience of lack or your experience of disappointment. God knows that from time to time, life is disappointing. Is that right? God knows that from time to time. But what if, what if every single time we came to the Lord, we came to the Lord from the experience of this, from the experience of I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was destined into eternal damnation and hell, complete separation from God. But because of what Christ has done, I now am in this position. Because the truth is this, if God does nothing more for you from this day forward than what Jesus has already done at the cross, He has already done more than enough. He has already done more than what you deserve. He has already done more for you in your lifetime than the many, many years that we have left here on the earth. Friends, what I'm trying to stir up in you is this, is that you worship from experience, is that you reflect on God, your goodness is so good. God, your presence is so powerful. God, you saved me in that car accident. You saved me from that sickness. You saved me from when I was being, my life was being threatened. You saved me. Even in my mother's womb, you formed me. Even in my mother's womb, you saved me. Even when I was born, you saved me. God, can you understand? what's happening because you can start too easily we can worship from oh it's Sunday morning again and God aren't you happy I made it and I get it every now and then we can rock up to work oh oh thank goodness it's paying the bills but if we just wake up in the morning and go God you are good because you're actually really good. Let my life be a life of worship unto you because I draw and I recall to remembrance, I recall to my mind that my experience in you has always been good. Can we stand and pray? Can you say these words, Jesus, I want to experience more of you. Help me worship in spirit and in truth. Can I encounter more of you, Jesus?
Holy Spirit, would you just bring to our mind the remembrance of how you've saved us from what we've done, how you saved us from what we could have become. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. Jesus, we thank you for your mercy. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. Lord, from this day forward, help us worship you. From the many good experiences that we've had. Help us know you more and more. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Anna. I trust that during the service, God was moving in your heart and his presence was where you are. Just before we say goodbye today, I'd love to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. If today's message spoke to you, or you've been considering believing in Jesus as your saviour, then I would love to invite you to do that now. Would you repeat this short prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again to give me life. I ask you to forgive my sins and be my Lord and my Saviour. I open my heart to you today. Amen. If you said yes to Jesus today, we would love to hear from you. We would love to celebrate with you, pray with you and help you start your Jesus journey. Visit our website, manninghamcc.org and go to the I Said Yes page. Fill out your details and one of our leaders will get in touch with you. We would love to hear your story. Hey, thanks for joining in today and being part of our service. If you enjoyed today's service, would you click the share button and subscribe to MCC so you can stay connected? We all need some good news and we would love to hear how God has spoken to you today. Visit manninghamcc.org and fill out a good news story form today. If you would love to know more how to grow in your relationship with God, then Next Steps provides the path for you. Visit manninghamcc.org to find out more. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.